God makes a promise. Not that everything's going to be easy. Not that everything's going to be smooth. But He's going to be with us and get us through. Until that time when He takes us to heaven. What a great blessing that is. I don't know how many of you know it or not. Some of you in the, new to the church might not know it, but Ginny is my cousin. And Ginny and I love each other very much. And I know you're not supposed to have favorite brothers or sisters or favorite cousins or whatever, but I break the rules. That Ginny is my favorite cousin. And I love her so much. And Mike is my favorite cousin-in-law. <laughs> if there's such a title as cousin-in-law, Mike is that. And I love both of them. So very much. Shall we just open in prayer? Father, we're so thankful for this morning and this afternoon. And we thank you, Lord, for being with us through our lives. We thank you that we're not orphans in this world, Lord, but we've been made children and sons of God, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ. We thank you that you love us, Lord, and we're the apple of your eye. And we thank you that you have a plan for our lives. And we pray that you would get us through safely to that heavenly shore by your grace and by your Holy Spirit. And now, Lord, we just turn our attention to your word and pray that the Holy Spirit will speak to us today and challenge us and encourage us and exhort us. And we just ask this now in Jesus' precious name. Amen. You know, it's obvious from looking at all the news events that are happening, especially in the Middle East, that our Lord's coming is very near. The end is at sight. The world is coming to its end. And we can thank the Lord that we're saved. And those who are saved and know the Lord, there is a comfort, there is a peace, there is an assurance in that. But if you're not saved, and maybe you're here this morning and you don't know the Lord, you don't have that comfort. You don't have that peace. You don't have that assurance because you don't have Christ in your life. The title of our message today is, It it is time to seek the Lord. It is time to seek the Lord. If you're not saved, today is the day to seek the Lord. He's seeking you. He's pursuing you. He wants you to accept Him as your Lord and Savior. And if you know Him as your Lord and Savior, now is the time to get closer to Him and take it seriously because the Lord is coming very, very soon. Sadly, we've wasted many days. We've wasted many weeks. We've wasted many years. We've wasted in our lives on ourselves. Many of us have. And they're wasted years. We used to have a solo, and Sylvia used to sing it too. It's called Wasted Years. Wasted years. Wasted years. Oh, how foolish. And it's foolish to waste our strength and our lives and our efforts on things that are meaningless in this world because all it will bring us is emptiness and frustration and disappointment and heartache and failure in this life. Because any relationship outside of Christ is not going to work. You know, we look at this royal couple. They're getting excited. You know, they're going to be married. Prince William and his his bride-to-be... Uh, is they're going to be married in England next month, or this month in April. It's going to be exciting for the whole world. But guess what? If they don't have Christ in their life, it's not going to work. It's not going to work. Marriages won't work. Families won't work. Jobs won't work. Careers won't work. Families won't work. Marriages, anything, will not work unless Christ is in the center. Unless He's our focal point 
and we're seeking after him in all that we do in life. You know, the Lord is a jealous God. It says so in the scriptures. Normally, when we think of jealousy, we think of something negative. One person is jealous of another. There's jealousy. It's a it's a sin, actually, that kind of jealousy. But the kind of jealousy that God has for us is he loves us so much. He wants the best for us. He wants us to give him our whole hearts, our whole lives, because he knows if we give our hearts to anything else in this world, it's not going to be good for us. And so God loves us with this kind of jealousy. If you go to your dictionary, Webster's Dictionary, and you look under jealousy, there's a definition there and next to it, it says rare. So it's not used very often, but the definition of jealousy, which is God's jealousy, means exclusive loyalty. Exclusive loyalty. Have you given your exclusive loyalty to Jesus Christ? Is he your Lord and your master and your boss? That is the key question. If you'll turn in your Bibles to Hosea, the book of Hosea, chapter 10 and verse 12. We'll have it on the screens here in a second. The prophet Hosea, chapter 10 and verse 12. It's such a blessing to see that in the Old Testament and in the New Testament, God loves us. He's patient with us. He cares for us. He knows we don't always learn it the first time. We don't always get it the first time. We have to have other chances. May the Lord help us to realize today it is time to seek the Lord. Prophet Hosea chapter 10 and verse 12 says, Sow for yourself righteousness. Reap in mercy. Break up your fallow ground, for it is time to seek the Lord till he comes and rains righteousness on you. May God bless the reading of his word to our hearts this morning. There's a story of an old farmer who had a mule. And his mule, he had this mule for many years. And he liked this mule, but he was thinking, you know, I'm spending a lot of money on this mule. I have to feed him oats every day. And he's a hungry mule. He's got Dean's kind of appetite. You know, he, <laughs> he eats every day in the morning and the afternoon, evening. He eats three big portions a day and snacks in between. So anyway, the farmer has this mule. So he concocts this plan. What I'm going to do to save money is to mix in with his oats a little bit of sawdust. Can't hurt anything, right? So I'm going to take mostly oats and I'm going to sprinkle in, like you sprinkle on wheat germ on your, on your cereal, we're going to sprinkle in a little sawdust. He'll never know the difference. So the next day he sprinkled a little more and the next day he sprinkled a little bit more and pretty soon it was more and more. So finally, after a few weeks of doing this, pretty soon now it was mostly sawdust and hardly any oats. The next thing you knew, that old mule ate his final meal, poor beast, and collapsed and died. It goes to show a lesson for us as Christians. We need to feed on the word of God, the pure, unadulterated word of God, not to mix it with the things of this world. As soon as we start letting the worldly things squeeze out the time that we spend with the Lord, squeeze out the time we spend praying and reading his word and studying his word. It's so easy to add a little more sawdust and less oats. And pretty soon our spiritual lives like this mule will be dead. 
we'll be dead, spiritually dead. We'll be alive, breathing, but spiritually we'll be dead because we have not been feeding on the word of God as we should. There's a real lesson for that. So today we're going to look at three things. They begin with the letter P. Number one, we need to pursue the Lord. Number one. Number two, we need to purify our lives. And number three, we need to promote his kingdom. So purify, pursue and promote. Let's look first of all at pursue the Lord. You know, it's sad to see when somebody gets saved and they have such a zeal and such a desire for the Lord and they're seeking the Lord and they're excited and they're on the honeymoon period and all of a sudden you see it start to wane and start to get less and less and less. You know, we had some folks that got married in the church and you just see them, they're so excited when they get married and they're just looking at each other and they're excited and in love with each other and they want to spend all their time together and then the wife gets all upset and calls Sylvia and she says, oh, Sylvia, he has to go on a business trip and he's going to be gone a whole day. A whole day he's going to be gone. I can't take it. Then a few months later, she comes to Sylvia and again says, Oh, he's going to be gone for a whole week this time. A whole week. I can't take it. Come back a few months later, a year later. He's going to be gone for a whole month for training. A whole month. And pretty soon, it becomes less and less of a hard thing. You know, when we love Christ, we should have that burning desire and passion to spend time with him. It shouldn't be easy to run out of the house in the morning without meeting first with our Savior and praying and seeking his will. In Isaiah 55, verses 6 and 7, it tells us that we need to seek the Lord in our lives. It says, seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts. Let him return to the Lord and he will have mercy on him and to our God, for he will abundantly pardon. You see, it says, seek the Lord while he may be found. In the days of the Gospels, Jesus was passing through the town. And if you miss that opportunity to see Jesus and be touched by him, he may not pass by that same way again. Jesus of Nazareth is passing by today. Will you seek Him? Will you seek Him with all your heart? Will you accept Him into your life as your Lord and Savior and be born again? The Bible says that salvation is a free gift. All we have to do is accept it. All we have to do is seek Him and accept Him into our lives. And when we do that, we're saved. The Scripture says in Isaiah 55, 1 and 2 that the price is free. It says, Ho, everyone who thirsts, come to the waters... He who has no money, come and buy and eat. Yes, come buy wine and milk without price. Why do you spend your money for what is not bread and your wages for what does not satisfy? Listen carefully to me and eat what is good and let your soul delight itself in abundance. You know, when Jesus died on the cross, his disciples were there at the cross and they watched him be crucified. They watched him be crucified. And then they watched him rise from the dead. And he came back from the dead, a living Savior. He changed their lives. And then on the day of Pentecost, the Spirit of God filled them and came into the church and has been here with us ever since. 
Salvation is free. All we need to do is seek the Lord. All we need to do is ask him. He will change our life. He will do great things for us. And you know that no one ever, 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 ever who has sought the Lord has ever been disappointed. Has ever said, oh, I wish I had never accepted Christ. I wish I had never been born again. I wish I had never had the experience of this. No. In fact, they say, I wish I'd done it sooner. I wish I'd got saved when I was younger and I would have had years to know the Lord and serve him. That's what it's like. Psalm 3410 tells us that the young lions lack and suffer hunger, but those who seek the Lord shall not lack any good thing. You say, when you're a Christian, God has provided for you. He has promised to take care of you. Like Jenny sang in that song today, it went with the message so well because whatever we go through, the Lord has promised to meet our needs and take care of us. You know, David found that to be true in his life because in Psalm 63 and 1, he says, Oh God, you are my God. Early I will seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh longs for you in a dry and thirsty land where there's no water. I think we can describe that as our world today. It's dry and thirsty without water. If you've ever gone out to the desert and it's real hot and you get real thirsty and then you come and somebody gives you some nice cold water, it tastes so good. That's exactly the water of life. Jesus Christ gives us the living water that quenches our souls forever and we never get thirsty again. But why is it that we give to the Lord so little of our time, so little of our effort, so little of our strength? Why it's so hard to make it to the meetings? Why it's so hard to have Bible study? Why is it so hard to memorize the word? Why is it so hard? If we would just ask ourselves the question, it's easy, isn't it, to go out and do your favorite hobby? If you like basketball, to play basketball, that's easy. If you, if you enjoy your job, it's not hard. If you enjoy being with your family and you love them, it's not hard then why should it be hard to have our relationship with the Lord? Why should it be so hard to be committed to Him? Because it's on a different level. It's on the spiritual level. And the devil is always there to tempt us, always there to distract us and get our attention off of the Lord so that we look at our circumstances and see this mountain in front of us and we take our eyes off the Lord. Just like Peter did when he was walking on the water, he was doing fine. And then he started looking at those waves and looking at that wind and he sunk. Same thing happens to us when we don't seek the Lord. We take our eyes off of him. You know, a lot of times we come to the Lord when we need him. We come to him when we need him, when we need a job, when we need money, when we need something that we really have been wanting for a long time. Oh, yeah, yeah, I'm going to go into the presence of the Lord. I'm going to pray about that because I need it. I want it. I want it. But do we come just to ask? Or do we come to praise Him? Do we come to thank Him? How many times is our prayer devoted to what we need versus to praise Him for who He is and what He's done? That's a challenge to my heart. We need to, to be those who love the Lord for who He is, not just for what He gives to us in life. Yes, it's time to seek the Lord. It's time this morning. It's time to make a commitment this morning. Before we leave the door of the church today, that today, Lord, it's time for me to seek you. I'm going to put away my idols. 
I'm going to put away my toys. I'm going to put away everything that would distract me and hinder me. And I'm just going to seek you. I'm going to seek you first, your kingdom first in my life. And that's what he wants us to do. I read an amusing story. It's amusing, but it's sad, too. There was an attorney, Dave, attorney. (laughs) I've had some attorneys lately in these methods. Okay, there's an attorney. He's driving his BMW along this windy road and it's dark and it's late. And he loses control of the car and his car is suspended over the cliff. He's got to make a choice. What is he going to do? He can try to get out of the car or he's going to be in the car, down the cliff and die. So he decides in a quick moment, he says, I got to get out of here. So he gets out of there. But in the process of getting out of the car, his left elbow and arm is severed off and he's bleeding and everything. And and there somebody comes along the road, the truck stops and he comes over. The man says, let me help you. Let me help you. Are you okay?" And the man walks over to the side of that cliff and he looks down at that BMW and it was down far down in the cliff. And he goes, my BMW, my new BMW. And the man looks at him and he sees the arms missing and he says, man, you got more trouble here than just your BMW down there, man. You've lost your arm. Let's try to find it. Maybe the surgeons can sew it back on and you can get your arm back. And then he goes, My arm, my new Rolex, my new Rolex. (laughs) Priorities. People have the wrong priorities in life. If they realized how special the Lord is and what who he is and how he loves us and how he cares for us, these things of the world wouldn't mean as much to us as they do. They wouldn't have that attraction. You know, so many times teenagers, the only time you ever see them is when they need money, when they need to borrow the car, or they get hungry, which in that order, usually. It shouldn't be true of us as Christians that the Lord only hears from us when we have a need. He only hears from us when we're in trouble. He only hears from us when things aren't going well. He doesn't want to hear from you just at that time. Yes, He wants to hear from you then, but He wants to hear from you and me every day on a daily basis, to commune with Him, to have fellowship with Him. That's why God created us. That's why He saved us, is to have fellowship with Him. The question is today, are we earnestly pursuing the Lord? Are we earnestly seeking the Lord? Or have we got distracted? Have we got discouraged? Have we got down because of all the pressures and all the problems? You know, so many times in my life, I've been out of work now for for a while, and sometimes I'm doing good, I'm thankful, and all, all of a sudden, it's like it comes to my mind, Dean, you don't have a job. It's like the devil is trying to rub it in. He said, you don't have a job. You don't have a job. God doesn't care for you. Look at this. And I have to just redirect my mind. Or I apply for a job, and I think, boy, this has got to be the one, Lord. This is the one. They're going to hire me for it. Happens to us all the time, right? Next thing you know, they've chosen somebody else. And it just hits you like this. It hits you. And it doesn't have to be with a job. It could be a number of other circumstances. And it just hits you. You can't go down on the floor. You can't go down on the ground and stay there. He wants to lift you up. He says, come on, Dean. You're going to make it. Come on, get back in the race. Get back in the walk. And that's what he wants us to do. We need to seek the Lord. Christianity is not mere religion. It's a personal relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. And he wants us, 
to love him and seek him first. Not second, not third, but the priority is first. Secondly, not only is it important to pursue the Lord, but it's important to purify our lives. In the Old Testament, before the Israelites went into the promised land, Joshua told them, he said, consecrate yourselves for tomorrow, for the Lord is going to do wonders among you. You know, God wants to use us in his service, but he has to use clean vessels. He will not pick up a dirty vessel. How would you like to have surgery? Like Carl, when you went in for the surgery and the surgeon picks up a dirty instrument and says, okay, Carl, I'm ready to... No, they have to be purified. They have to be clean. They have to be usable for the surgeon. And God wants us to be usable for him. And so we have to be clean vessels as well. We have to be holy. That's why it says in 1 Peter 1:15 and 16, but as the holy one who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct because it is written, be holy for I am holy. It says also in Galatians 5:9, a little leaven leavens the whole lump. A little leaven and leaven's a type of sin. If we let sin come in the door just a little bit, it's going to take over. It's amazing. It's sad. Just like a little bit of sawdust mixed with a little bit of oats, pretty soon, a little more sawdust, a little more, the same kind of thing. We as Christians have to live a holy life. That's why D.L. Moody once said, a holy life will make the deepest impression. Lighthouses blow no horns, they just shine. I really like that. Lighthouses blow no horns, they just shine. He wants us to shine for Him. And if you know if you have something you want it to shine, like your car, your windows in your house, or whatever it is, you have to work hard to make that shine. You have to work hard. And if you haven't polished your car for a long time, it's going to oxidize. And when that oxidation gets on it, you have to scrub and rub and rub to get all that oxidation off. Then you can put the polish on the car and make it shine. God wants us to shine, but He's got to get the oxidation of ourselves off of us. He's got to get the oxidation of sin off of us. He's got to take all these things that are worldly things that hinder us. He's got to get rid of them. Then He can make us shine for His glory in this world. So many Christians live double lives today. They live a great life on Sunday. But then Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and Saturday... It's like you never knew them. Is this the same person? And you see them going into a Home Depot store, for example, maybe, and yelling at the clerk, and, or you hear them talking on the phone and using some bad language, or you hear these things and you say, is that the same Christian I know? It's sad. It's sad. May the Lord help us to be seven-day-a-week Christians, 24-7 Christians, who seek the Lord and who pursue holiness in our lives. You know, Christianity is not a soap opera, it's not a game show, and it's not a sitcom. Christianity is a reality show in the true sense of the word. God is looking for real Christians to live in the real world, to live a real life for Him. That's what He wants. That's what it's all about. It's not about show. It's not about image. It's about our true character. That's what really touches me about Adel and Sylvia, especially Adel and I. We go and visit the farmer's market on Saturday. 
Everybody knows him and everybody loves him. Everybody respects him at the, fam- at the farmer's market. It's amazing. You go to the bank. He talks to the tellers. He go to the restaurant at Basileaf or wherever. He knows this people. He is a people person. He's the same person on Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. You don't have to look for any dirt. There's not going to be that. There's no shadow of doubt because he lives the same way every day. May the Lord help us to seek him that way and to purify our lives this way so that we don't have anything to hide. Our lives should be like open books could be read by anybody in this world. The Bible tells us that the third thing that's important is not only to pursue the Lord and not only to purify our lives, but to promote his kingdom. And we can't promote God's kingdom unless we have been pursuing the Lord and unless we've been purifying our lives. Then we can promote his kingdom. And if you look at Matthew chapter 6 and verse 33, he tells us how each one of us, whether we're young or older, we can promote his kingdom. Kids, you can promote God's kingdom at school. We can promote God's kingdom at work. We can promote God's kingdom in our neighborhoods, in our families, among people we know. We can promote God's kingdom. That's what Adel has been doing for his whole life when he goes out to these people and talks to them. He's promoting the kingdom by his words, by his actions. People respect him and they'll listen to his message. And that's what God wants for all of us as well. Seek first the kingdom of God. It says, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things shall be added to you. You know, God is an adder and a multiplier, not a divider and not a subtractor. And when we honor God, he's going to add to our lives. He's going to bless our lives. He's going to multiply our blessings. You can never outgive the Lord. If you give in your offering, if you give of your time, if you give of your effort, he is going to more than multiply that and he's going to bless you so tremendously you won't be able to believe it. You know, but it's all about having the right priorities. During the days of the Salvation Army, it was started by General William Booth. And he had a son whose name was Bramwell. And it seems that all the religious leaders of the day were attacking him. And not all, but quite a few religious leaders of the day were attacking him. And quite a few of the government leaders were attacking him too. And whenever his son would see these things printed in the newspaper, he would say to his dad, he says, Dad, look, here's another article they printed about you. They're saying terrible things. It's not true. It's evil. It's it's terrible. And he said, Bramwell, 50 years from now, it will, be, it will matter very little how these people treated us, but it will matter a great deal how we dealt with the work of God. And that's so true. I mean, if we spend time having to defend ourselves and put out these fires, let it go. You know, if somebody's going to say bad against you, you can just say that's not true. We don't have to spend time defending ourselves. We can let God defend us and he will do it. He will keep our testimony pure. He will help us to be a blessing. You think about people in the Bible who put the Lord first and gave him honor. Think about those women, Mary Magdalene, Joanna and Susanna, and how they provided for Jesus from their private means, from their personal money. They gave it to the Lord and they followed the Lord. And it's amazing to me that the two Marys were the last ones at the cross. When everybody was gone, the disciples were gone, the soldiers were gone, 
Everybody was gone from the cross. Those women were the last ones there. And they saw where they put Jesus. They saw where Nicodemus and Joseph put him in the tomb. They knew where he was. So they were the last ones at the cross and they were the first ones at the tomb. The last ones to see him alive and they were the first one to see him alive from the dead because their priority was on the Lord. The other disciples, they were afraid. They met in secret. They were discouraged and down. But these women had the right priority. They sought the Lord and they came to promote his kingdom. Peter and the apostles were willing to go to anything for the, through anything for the Lord. They were willing to be, suffer imprisonment and even suffer death. And they did die for their faith. And Peter stood up and said, it is better for us to obey God than to obey man. And even though it means prison, even though it may even be death, they would not renounce their faith in Jesus Christ. They believed in Him. How about those two Hebrew midwives? Did they have the right priorities in this life? Were they promoting the kingdom of God? Remember when Pharaoh told them, he said, you go and when you help those, those Hebrew women, if it's a baby boy being born, put him to death. Put that baby boy to death. Every one of them. Well, those two Hebrew women loved the Lord so much. They honored Him so much. They sought Him first in their lives that they didn't listen to Pharaoh. They did not put to death those baby boys. And so then Pharaoh calls them in. And you can imagine, you'd be scared to death because you kept these baby boys alive. And he says, why did you do it? Why did you do it? You kept these baby boys alive. And they said, oh, these Hebrew women, they're so vigorous. They give birth before the midwife can get to them. And because they honored God, it says he provided households for them. He gave them children. He blessed their lives. Anytime we give to the Lord anything and put him first in our life, he is going to bless us. And he blessed these Hebrew midwives. The question for us, is God's kingdom and his service more important than anything else? Or if I let things come in and squeeze out his service, have I said, well, I can't do that ministry anymore. I'm sorry, I'm too busy now with my job. I can't do it anymore. Sad to say that many Christians do that today. They give up. They give up. They quit. I can't handle it anymore. Too much pressure. Too much time. Too much money I have to spend. Too much, too much, too much. Did Jesus say it's too much when He went to the cross and died for you? When He died for me, did He say it's too much? Too much pain? Too much anguish? Too much sorrow? No, it's not too much. I love the story of, of William Carey. He was a great missionary. And he was deeply concerned about his young son, Felix. He was a professing Christian. And Felix had promised his dad, he says, Dad, I'm going to become a missionary like you. I'm going to serve the Lord like you. I'm going to give it all for you, Lord, is what he said. But he broke his vow and he was appointed ambassador to Burma. He was appointed the ambassador to Burma. That's a high position. That was a great position in the Royal British Empire. High position. But it's amazing what the father said to his friends. He says, pray for Felix because he has degenerated to such a point of taking a job as an ambassador instead of doing service for the King of Kings. Isn't that amazing? Perspective. Do we consider our ministry more important than our job? 
Do we consider our life with Christ and our relationship to him more important than the things of this world? Remember what the Lord Jesus said to Peter. He said, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? What are the these in your life? What are the things that you have put second to Christ? We have to make it the priority as we heard this morning already. It is time to seek the Lord. Not to seek him tomorrow or a week from tomorrow or or next month or next year. Now it is time to seek the Lord now. It's time to get down on our knees now and say, Lord, I have not been pursuing you. I have not been purifying my life. I have not been promoting your kingdom. I've let all these things get in the way, Lord. I renounce those things. I want to get right with you and I want to serve you as before. And the Lord will say, my child, I am ready to take you back. I will use you in a mighty way. And God used Peter in the mightiest way after he restored him. He denied the Lord three times. The Lord said, do you love me three times? And then Peter went on to have a tremendous ministry, preaching the gospel, teaching the word, shepherding the flock, caring for the sheep. And he did it all for the glory of God. But the question is, are you ready to make the commitment? It is time to seek the Lord. We all know our hearts. We all know our situations. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand or anything, but in your heart, let's close our eyes now. And if you have let anything stop you from seeking the Lord, purifying your life, pursuing that or promoting the kingdom, ask the Lord, Lord, forgive me. Lord, forgive me for having the wrong perspective. Lord, change my life. Use me again. Light a fire in me and under me. And that's what we want. And if you're here today and you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, you haven't been seeking Him. He's seeking you. He wants you today to accept Him as your Lord and Savior. Don't leave without Him. Shall we just close in a word of prayer? Father, we just thank You for this sober message today. It is time to seek the Lord. Lord, forgive us. Forgive me for not pursuing You and seeking You as I should. Please purify my life, Lord. Help me to be clean and holy and help me to be able to promote your kingdom. So many people in this world, they're promoters. They promote causes. They promote people. They promote all kinds of things in this world. Lord, help us to be promoters of your kingdom, to show people that that's the most important thing. And so, Lord, accept our thanks for this morning. May you direct us by the Spirit of God. Help us to apply this word in our hearts. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.